Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It's time, folks, for some strange news. Now, we comb through the forums, the dark corners of the internet. Uh, we try to bring you things you might not have heard about or talk about them in a way that the normal media isn't really approaching. So, of course, uh, one of the most hazardous occupations right now is uh, to be a Russian oligarch. We're going to talk about that. Uh, there's a lot of power and danger in knowledge. We're going to talk about a guy who was very offended by that. Uh, he's angry at He's angry at the dictionary, basically. Uh, and then we're, we're also going to answer the question, what do you get the man who has literally everything? Has all the stuff, you know what I mean? You know, is maybe his birthday's coming up. Maybe he just wants to get something nice for himself. You can't get him a camel. Like he would all, he'd just have as many camels as he wants. I propose just get him one more thing. <laughs> even even if it's redundant, you got then he has doubles, and and then mm. he, maybe he gets triples. You know, triples having triples is always triples are safe. They're, they're best. It's true. Yeah, triples is best. Triples are safe. Mm -hmm. I didn't even want to marry. Mm -hmm. She was a model, then she died. All right. Anyway, 
shout out that I think you should leave now. Uh, spoiler, Lord, folks. We're t- yeah, we're we're talking about we're talking about Elon Musk and Twitter. Unless you have been purposely trying to avoid that story, he recently inked the deal. It looks like it's definitely going to happen. Uh, this was announced today as we record April 25th, 2022. Bottom out for $45 billion. Uh, do, you, do you guys want to talk about that first? Like, I, I, I know we, met, we teased this a little because it was already in the works last week when we were talking, but um, it seemed like it, it didn't seem as certain back then. You know, there could have been a poison pill put in that would have diluted his shares. Uh, There could have been any number of things that would lead to like a hostile takeover attempt. But it seems like the board of Twitter uh, decided to play ball. So pretty soon it will be a Musk run platform. First, before we get into the details, we want to set some basics. And I I think it's helpful for us all to give our own opinions here. we can read the stuff that he proposes to change about Twitter. But before we dive in, I wanted to ask you guys, what's your initial take for it, against it? Does it matter? I mean, I just don't care for the guy. <laughs> he bugs me. He rubs me the wrong way in a pretty uh, uh, palpable uh, fashion. But I do have to say, I respect the guy's hustle. I respect the guy's ability to power move Basically anybody. And when you're sitting on 273 billion in net worth, you kind of got the capital to do that. But he played that board like a fiddle, man. It was all like, okay, I'm gonna buy up all these shares, and then I'm, he's like the single, you know, largest shareholder in the company. He's like, oh, uh, I'm entertaining the idea of being on your board. Oh wait, it turns out that puts limitations on all the things I can do and say. Nobody puts Elon in a corner, you know. And then all of a sudden, it's like he's trash talking Twitter on Twitter. Uh, he's actually he's standing up for freedom of speech but like it also seems like he doesn't like people making fun of him on the internet is he just going to clamp down on stuff like that is he really a proponent of freedom of speech i just think the guy's a troll and i think he's kind of dangerous for me the story is all about what you just said when you have that much money in net worth right and you are your life is worth this much money it doesn't mean that you actually have access to that amount of money it means that somebody like elon musk can go to morgan stanley and bank of america and those banks will give you billions of dollars 20 billion dollars a piece or more so that you can buy something else like that's crazy to me that is that just doesn't feel like it should exist uh, that Mm. one human being can do that Let me give you guys another couple of examples of what people are worried about. So if you are a person of a certain age, you may remember a brick and mortar toy store called Toys R Us. Uh, Toys R Us is not around anymore because another company bought it and they were able to cut a bunch of costs to up profits, but then offset the debt by sending it out to what had become a shell of the company that once was Toys R Us. And this spelled doom for that company, but it spelled profits for the uh, forces that were engaging in this predatory activity. Some people tell you, yeah, it's just business as usual. And then other people say, yes, but things can be business as usual and still be bad. You know what I mean? (laughs) So there are concerns that Musk might do some kind of 
pumping the value of this and then selling it off and then walking away. Uh, Twitter has struggled to be profitable for for a while. That's pretty clear. Uh, It's also been pretty controversial for quite some time. Uh, It also has a lot of criticism about the algorithm. That's a big deal. It's got a lot of criticism about bots or foreign disinfo agents. Uh, Here's the thing. It's never been bigger than, than other social media platforms. Twitter has like 217 million people, which is a lot of people. But it's not doing Facebook heyday numbers, for instance, or uh, Instagram numbers necessarily. My first question was, why, why this move? Even for the world's official most wealthy person, official, because no one knows how much money Putin has, case in point, uh, even for the world's most wealthy person, $45 billion, kind of a big purchase, you know, I would say. And a lot of it, as you beautifully pointed out, Matt, uh, a portion of that money is coming to him from a bank, right? He's being assisted a bit. He's not just coming by with the world's biggest suitcase filled with cash, though that would be hilarious. Uh, instead, there are there's a lot of speculation about what prompted him to do this. He had some cryptic polls before when he got, what, 9% of the company, something like that. I want to give you what he said, and then I want to talk about one of the conspiracy theories I've found, which people are accepting as fact, hasn't been confirmed by him. So first, he said he wants to preserve free speech on Twitter. For him, he's saying it's not about the money, it's just the content moderators were actively tamping down on free speech and debate. He said, the free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy, and Twitter is the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated. So he wants to have more free speech, less, I guess, handsy content moderators. Uh, he also wants to make the algorithm open which is interesting. His argument being that then you can look at the code and you can see why some tweets are hitting your feed and why others seem to be buried or almost shadow banned. That's Mm. interesting. I'm not against Mm -hmm. that. But I mean, here's my question for you guys. Is Twitter that big a deal still? I've never been a Twitter person and I certainly know people that are. And I've always heard described as sort of a toxic cesspit of like negativity but also even when elon was kind of trolling twitter he pointed out that some of their biggest power users hadn't sent a tweet in uh, over a year like justin bieber for example like i heard this piece i think it was on um uh, the daily uh and this this journalist was talking about how elon when he kind of was you know going for twitter uh, on twitter um after they kind of like put all these limitations on him potentially for joining the board uh he pointed out all these problems with twitter after like buying this huge share so it's like i don't know if i buy it man like mm. i know you use twitter ben and i know there's a lot of interesting people on twitter and there's you know frank friend of the show dear friend of of, of us uses it a lot um I just have never had much use for it. If, if something ends up trending on Twitter, I usually see it reposted as a screenshot or like on Instagram, which is my platform of choice. But do you believe the whole town square of the internet of the world thing? Or do you think he's just kind of, it's just smoke. I think he's just trying to pump up the shares and make a bunch of money. Well, here, here are the other two big things we should know about this. Yes. He has in the past troll Twitter on Twitter. You know, you got to, 
you got to admire the chutzpah of it. But I'd also like to uh, point to a great New York Times live update that's occurring as we record. As soon as this was announced that he was taking over the company at $54.20 a share, 38% over what you know would nor- you'd normally buy it for. Uh, he sent some regulators into a panic. Uh, the board said yes. And he says it's about, he says uh, he also wants to, this is interesting, defeat all the spam bots. You got to like the gaming, <laughs> the, the gaming nomenclature. But more importantly, which is something I think might bother some folks, Twitter users in the crowd, he wants to authenticate all humans, which means there will be another blow to anonymity yeah. on Twitter. Right. And this is something that different governments and state level actors have pushed for in the past. The idea that the Internet should not have the option of anonymity in any way. It's usually presented as a way to prevent crimes, particularly the red meat crimes that everyone can reasonably oppose. Like the idea of saying, you know, we need everybody. Uh, the UK did something like this a while back. I don't, it didn't work for them, but they said, we want everybody to be easily identifiable by their government name anywhere on the internet in the United Kingdom because it will help us prevent the abuse of children. And this is clever, whether or not you think they're sincere, this is, uh, from a logic standpoint, this is a very clever way to frame stuff because then anybody who says, I don't think people should have to clearly identify themselves all the time, uh, then they will inherently on some level be tied in with people who abuse children. It's, it's brilliant. It's the kind of fear-mongering that helps a lot of surveillance laws get put into place. And this is not, obviously, obviously this is not us condoning any crimes like that. We're just saying it's misleading sometimes. Does that mean everyone mm-hmm. has to get a blue check mark now? Is that the deal? Like you basically have to be somehow multi-level authenticated to be on the internet and use like your real name? Is he trying to eliminate the troll by forcing people to use their true identities? Is that the, is that, I'm just making sure I'm understanding. Unclear. These are like the four big things he said so far. We just don't know how much of that is. We don't know what the specifics of that would look like yet. I mean, that that's an interesting debate, guys. The concept of somehow pulling anonymity off of things like social media and comment, like when you post on a website's comments, right? I think I think mm-hmm. we've got two stories that are going to match up pretty well here today. Yeah, I think so. Right. Too. <laughs> Which do. is ironic, considering that Elon Musk is kind of king of the trolls too. So it's mm-hmm. like, what what's his angle? You know, I'm, I'm very right. suspicious of all of this. Yeah. Okay. So here we get to the conspiracy theory. I, I almost hesitate to call it a conspiracy theory, but there's uh, this common school of thought going around in the past past few weeks or so that Musk actually is buying Twitter as a way of shutting down this kid who figured out how to track his private jet. And he originally offered this guy a uh, relatively small sum of money to stop doing it. And the guy said, no, sorry, you can't buy everything. uh, Modern age Mount Samusa. And then the idea is that he reacted by going all in to buy Twitter. That feels a little simplified to me. I think maybe there's 
you know, if we could read the guy's mind, there's a morass of other factors and variables playing in. But it also opens up a conversation that I have been having on Twitter. I admit it. I've been bullying HSW where uh, we're talking about the free speech aspect of this. We've said it in the past, you know, a lot of people use social media. Millions upon millions of people use it every day to communicate. It's purposely built to be addictive and give you that little endorphin rush. As a matter of fact, I have great respect. Uh, my favorite conversations are when my friends and I aren't constantly looking at our phones, but those are increasingly rare in general. And um, with this in mind, it's sometimes easy to forget that something so ubiquitous is still a private platform, right? Like if you go into any private business and you say stuff that they don't like, it doesn't matter what you're saying, they can push you out if they don't like it. And Twitter, despite being seen as a champion of free speech in many places, is still a private entity, which means it can change its rules at any time because who reads the terms of service? And then you just, if you don't dig it, then you have to leave. That's, that's the rule. There's not like a, an amendment or something, you know, if you, uh, that's, that's why you can, um, you can go into uh, employment at a car dealership. And if they don't like what you're saying about their competitor, if you're saying, uh, look, I know I work at a Ford dealership, but those Nissans are pretty nice. They don't have to put up with that. You know, you're out the door, right? Do not pass go. Yeah. Do not collect $200. I used to work at a music store that I won't name uh, in my hometown, which I've said before. So you can probably do some Googling and figure it out which one. They were horrible, horrible people that ran this music store. They actively only hired young kids. Uh, so and I thought it was the greatest job in the world when I got hired there when I was in like you know high school. Um, and they trained us and everyone that worked for them to overcharge people to sell things as high, close to list price as possible. And if anyone ever, they found out that anyone bought something at one of their competitors, they would be banned from the store for life. And we would have to, we teenagers were the ones that had to say, sorry, you can't come in because of this. If they even breathed a word of it. And it's, it's a not uncommon thing. So the question is really what, what I'm hoping to do here, folks, is to set us up for deeper analysis later. By now, when this uh, strange news segment comes out, you will have heard uh, all of all of these facts already. Some small things may have changed, right? Uh, but barring any revelations, that's where we are. I want to set it up with questions for deeper analysis. What is the interaction between private tech giants and free speech? What should that interaction be? Uh, do you believe that Musk, whether you love the guy or hate him, do you believe that his, uh, he is being honest and transparent about his motivations? Is there something else at play? What does this mean for the future? Here's how I'd like to end it. We talked about, uh, we talked about the getting something for the guy who has everything. What do you think he wants to buy next? We'll marinate on that for a second during a word from our sponsors, and we'll be back with more strange news. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. God, Ben, you're right. Further analysis is going to be this Musk story is going to be something to keep an eye on because it is a, it is an interesting question. Like the the idea of being able to leverage that kind of wealth into God knows what and to be able to like 
I don't know. It's just I think his, his, his rise to, to that level of opulence happened so quickly. I think in 2020, he was like the 35th richest man in the world. And now he's the richest man in the world. Um, and with that comes a whole lot of power. Uh, it's a really good question that you posed, Ben. And I, I'm interested in, in uh, exploring this further. But for now, we're going to go down a bit of a different rabbit hole about power, the power of language. Um, who controls it? Who decides when words mean what they mean, if those definitions change over time? Well, uh, one of the big arbiters of, of this uh, decision-making power is the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Uh, Webster's defines... Uh, woman, girl, and female in certain ways. And these definitions have shifted over time. Uh, today, the word um, girl is defined in Webster's as of relating to or being the sex that typically has the capacity to bear young or produce eggs and having a gender identity that is the opposite of male. So let's let's think about, I, mean, I, I don't have an older legacy definition in front of me, but I think we can all probably pick uh, some of the additions to make it kind of catch up with the times, the idea of gender identity, you know, that being a thing, and of relating to, you know, adding those instead of just being the sex that is typically the capacity to bear young or produce eggs. Um, makes a whole lot of sense. Gender identity and fluidity and the way we as humans and as, um, you know, citizens really uh, treat and think about people with differing gender identities than what they were born with. It's come a long way. I mean, there's obviously still horrible injustices and horrible um, violence against um, the trans community, uh, specifically where it used to be more highlighting and focusing on the gay or the queer community, you know, hate crimes. Now it is very much something that is uh, affecting very disproportionately uh, young uh, trans people um, who are, you know, being killed uh, all, all over the world uh, just because of uh, the way they the way they look, the way they identify. Um, but Webster's decided to go, you know, to be that leader, to be the arbiter of culture and to move that definition forward. That is my opinion. Uh, I, I, I applaud them for doing that. But there's some people likely the same kinds of people that would do harm to uh, people with trans identities um, who, who don't like that who think that it represents some sort of agenda, some sort of nefarious plot to pollute the minds of the youth or something like that. And one such person um, is a man by the name of uh, Jeremy David Hansen, uh, who between October 2nd and October 8th, according to this article in Gizmodo um, by uh, Jody Serrano, submitted multiple threatening messages on the like contact us form on the I'm sorry I'm laughing it's just like it's not how you think people would use that form on the, the Webster's website um, and uh, threatening essentially ranting about in opposition to the things I was just describing um, these these changes these uh, adaptations of these uh, these uh, definitions over time um, one of the I'm going to use some he's got some very charged language in here but I'm going to 
read it. I'm going to bleep out anything that I think is just beyond. But he uh, says, your headquarters should be shot up and bombed. It is sickening that you have caved to the cultural Marxist anti-science and a word I'm not going to use here, but it starts with a T and ends with Annie. Um, agenda and altered the definition of quote female as part of the left's efforts to corrupt and degrade the English language and deny reality. You evil Marxists should all be killed. It would be poetic justice to have someone storm your offices and shoot up the place, leaving none of you commies alive. Yeah. So (laughs) Uh, in another screed uh, on the same uh, form, he said, it's absolutely sickening that Merriam-Webster now tells blatant lies and promotes anti-science propaganda. There is no such thing as, quote, gender identity, end quote. Um, let's see. The imbecile who wrote this entry should be hunted down and shot. And this is actually a comment he wrote on the online version of the uh, the um, dictionary on the comment page for the definition of female. Seems very interesting they would have have a comment section on the dictionary, but there you go. Uh, if, if we if we need proof that the internet will create rage at just about anything and a reason to put nasty comments, it's it's people commenting on the dictionary. Um, but this guy's under investigation. There's a U.S. attorney assigned to the case uh, who said in a statement that um, anonymous threats against specific uh, communities will not be tolerated, adding that uh, perpetrators will be identified, arrested, and held accountable in federal court. And I'm quoting uh, part of the Gizmodo article in addition to her quote. Um, an FBI special agent on the case, Joseph uh, Bana Volanta, uh, who's in charge of the FBI's Boston agency, um, he said this of the case, everyone has a right to express their opinion, but repeatedly threatening to kill people, uh, as has been alleged, takes it to a new level threats to life are most certainly not protected speech and they cause real fear in um, in victims uh, which was very clearly the case because Webster's office actually shut down for five days because of this so that's the story what what, what do you guys think of this kind of absolute vitriol uh, pointed at a such an such a seemingly innocuous publication as the dictionary and yet like I said at the top the ability to kind of guide the definition of those words. It it is, it is a lot of power. I think is being exercised for the good in this situation. My first response is, uh, I guess he didn't have the money to buy the dictionary, you know, like to buy the whole company and just change it and say he's a champion of free speech or whatever. I'm kidding. But no, it's clearly this person has been radicalized. Right. In in some way, uh, it does not matter what someone's particular personal beliefs are. Right. You can have your personal beliefs as reprehensible as they are in the U.S. And this is one of those countries where you can also talk trash about the government and not get black bagged, which we all kind of take for granted nowadays. Uh, but we don't know how long it'll last. Uh, so enjoy it while you can. But the um, the thing here is that this I don't, I've never met this guy. I haven't communicated with him um, before this story. But one thing that we can say without stereotyping is that in a lot of these cases, this kind of opprobrium and vitriol and, and hate speech is coming from a not entirely sound mind. You know what I mean? Uh, a mind that has oh, maybe yeah. been caught in some algorithmic bubble and just bouncing around 
with their only points of access being the same kind of echo chamber information. You know, uh, it might be that something personal happened in this person's life that became the impetus for them to start making these threats. But I believe, Noel, he hasn't been convicted of anything, no. right? He, he's on no, a $25,000 bond? Okay. That's right. And, you know, all of these these statements are being reported. We, we have to attach alleged, alleged here uh, because he has not been convicted. And he obviously didn't actually do anything. But to make these types of threats is, uh, is, is a step beyond the pale of, of free speech. He's 34 years old uh, from Rossmore, California, just to add that detail. How did he even find out? It's a good question. Must have been a hobby of his, just checking out the updated editions of the dictionary. And this went always, wait a minute, what's this? It's not yeah. fly. It's interesting to me that he was using that comment section of, I guess, the dictionary to make anonymous posts. So this person probably believed that he would never be identified if this was, in fact, him making these posts. It hasn't been proven in a court of law yet. But, uh, you know, this person... Also allegedly made, I think, an anonymous Twitter account or something. So they, they made That's some. That's right. He sure did. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, it was an anonymous Twitter account called Anani Mouse or Anonymous yes. or something That's like correct. that, and <laughs> was uh, sending more. I guess you had he had to use Twitter in order to make comments and other things. So it's just like if 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 Musk had his way and everybody was verified, this guy would have been. We got you. Can't say those things. You get a fine or, you know, now we're watching you or, you know, you're in trouble and we know it for sure. We don't have to go through a court system like this to, like, prove it in a court of law. We know it. You're verified. You typed it. <laughs> well, I, I got to say, though, I mean, like, you know, the, at what point can you chalk it up to dark humor or like just obscenely black, you know, sardonic humor, like in this Johnny Depp, uh, Amber Heard case, like Johnny Depp was quoted in some of his tweets or not tweets, rather texts about Amber Heard saying, I hope that C words rotting corpse gets found in the trunk of a Hyundai Sonata or something like that. I mean, is that a threat or is he just being a and using like really dark, gnarly humor. Mm. Uh, I mean, you know, the question of humor is very, um, is very subjective. Yeah. Uh, I guess maybe the issue here comes with the repetition mm-hmm. and the specificity. Yeah. And the, yeah. the fact that there's, you know, you, the, okay, first off, pretending something is humorous is an age old tactic of the abusive and bullies. Uh, they're not very intelligent nor creative people, so they don't change their tactics very often. So it's, you know, it's the idea of saying, oh, I'm just kidding. In those kind of cases, your question has to be, really? Because usually humor has some kind of humorous aspect to it or some sort of punchline to it, right? Not to be, you know, the the emperor of jokes or anything, but I've heard a few in my time, and the one the ones that work are actually kind of humorous. Dark humor, total other thing. Uh, and I agree with your point. Like, there can be a line with dark humor. I think we all love dark humor. Uh, most people in 2022 sure. just kind of accept that as the normal humor these days. But I would say with the Johnny Depp comparison, doesn't part of the question hinge on the verb usage? Like, I hope this happens. Is the is not saying someone go do this or I'm going to do this, well, you know? The irony of this is it all comes down to the power of words, doesn't it? Right. Like how seriously should we take words? Uh, you you could argue 
not that seriously. It's only words. It, it doesn't really become real mm. until it becomes a deed. And the police will even tell you that for the most part. Like if you're freaked out by somebody and you think they're they're like stalking you because they they're sending you too many messages on the internet or something, and they haven't actually said I'm going to kill you. Um, they they they'll tell you. You see it in movies all the time. They not they can't do anything about it until someone actually commits a crime. Oh, well, no. the, the messed up thing is, think about how many mass shooting events that we've seen just this year in 2022, where mm-hmm. post the event occurring on the primary suspect or the person that was arrested or found dead, there the person who did the shooting or the killing had made social posts that were very Mm. specific or made videos that were very specific about what they wanted to do. And maybe sometimes they weren't even so specific. They just wanted to do something and they Mm. wanted to take action. So like it stinks to know that we've got that on one side because until they do something, you cannot arrest that person. Pre-crime is not a thing. Not yet. It feels like it's coming soon. It is. But yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, it seems like this is going to be the way in, right? Looking at social media posts and maybe having a control mechanism on your Twitters and your Instagrams and YouTube. Which is, this is why we can't have nice things. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> and, and just last little detail I think is important. The, the, the charge is, um, he's supposed to appear in federal court uh, coming up this week that we're recording it. Uh, the charge he faces is one count of interstate communication of threats to commit violence. Um, and that's directly outlined in a news release from the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Massachusetts. And that could carry with it a penalty of up to five years in prison and a fine of $250,000. I have a feeling the barrier of the burden of proof here is going to be very, very difficult. Oh, yeah. I don't think he's going to get anywhere near any of that. It really yeah. depends. It's Making what you a- said about verbs. It's what mm-hmm. you said about verbs, Ben. Mm. It's someone should do this. I, you know. It would be, what did he say? Should be killed. Uh, Someone, it would be poetic justice to have someone go in your offices. The other thing, I I just have to add, if you read the English encyclopedias or dictionaries, excuse me, whether it's Merriam-Webster or the OED, Oxford English Dictionary, uh, You'll you'll find that this language in particular is filled with a bunch of other words that are way more worth uh, deriding. Like we have, there's so many words that are insufferable, honestly. And if I was on the right, if I was on the right definition page with the comments, and I saw somebody say this. Uh, this word is trash. Whoever brought this over from Latin or 14th century France, I hope they, I hope they had a Should bad death. Shot. Yeah, I'd be like. Okay, I get it, man. I hope they get shot with a blunderbuss yeah, you know, if, or like a cannon. If I see somebody raising hellfire and brimstone and taking out the digital pitchforks for words like dongle, then I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, I mean, that's a silly one. We all are. We all have to say well, that one in a serious conversation. It's weird. But this, and what about words he's using like commie and Marxist? And <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go yeah. and say it. You know, mm, like these are mm-mm. these are words that are like problematic. Yeah. It's so prop, so much more problematic than any like slightly hedging kind of uh, inclusive uh, definition of a word like female. Remember that time we got yelled at for even using the word female? It always. I, I just me. want to put that out yeah. there. It was one time. Yeah. It makes me chuckle a little bit because, of course, you know, best of it. I think I think we were describing like a police report. 
and describe somebody in the police report as like a single, you know, female found body, found blah, blah, blah. And somebody emailed us and lambasted us over the use of the word female, saying that it was dismissive. And I was, first of all, taken aback because I'm like, that seems wrong. Um, it is in the dictionary, but then lo and behold, there's all these little corners of the internet that, that, that have that opinion. So it goes both ways. Yeah. All of this stuff. I'll, it's, it's I'll never forget. I'll never forget when a good friend of this show, Lauren Vogelbaum, uh, over at Saber and Brain Stuff, uh, she had pointed out that when <laughs> she got in my head with this, I asked her about the use of the word female. And she said, Ben, the thing for me about when people use the word female is it always reminds me of the Ferengi from uh, Ferengi from Star Trek. And I can't get it out of my head. Right. You know, but also clinical. Right. You know, yeah. But also this this definition that this guy was so heated about, it seems like a very fair definition. It's not even necessarily applying specifically to human beings. Right. And if I'm reading correctly, the way it was written, you are. Okay. You are reading it correctly, Ben. And I completely agree. And um, let's just be honest, this person doesn't seem like the brightest crayon in the box either, if he's getting hung up on this, this stuff. I don't think he's reading the definition as intended uh, mm-hmm. and is looking for a devil that is not there, yeah. in my opinion. If, his ch- if he was cheddar, he wouldn't be the sharpest, I think. He'd be more of like a craft single, kind of, you know? Mm. Guys, well, just, you know, to end this conversation a little bit on a, a happy note. I just want to direct your attention to the comment section of the Gizmodo article. It was a good one. Yes, that you you say, <laughs> yeah, we saw it. It was good. It was good, but we got to credit it. We got to credit it. It's from DJ DJ. Mm. Wait until this guy hears about the thesaurus. Hey, oh, <laughs> oh, it's so good. And there's one other one I really like. Just it was by Killa K. Does it imagine being triggered by a dictionary? I think that's what we were getting at earlier. It's just like seemingly such an innocuous uh, uh, collection of you know words, but it also holds a lot of weight because it is like this is the one. If it's that's what, but that's the irony too. Is like I don't need the dictionary to tell me what a word means. Like culture tells me what a word means. You know, Ben, you're always talking about English being a living language or language just being alive. You know, if you pay attention, you know what words mean. You know, you don't need to. Oh, no, see, it's in here. Highlighted. That's what it means. Can't deviate from that. And this guy's putting so much stock in this, like, kind of arbitrary thing that he has no control over that ultimately doesn't mean a hell of a lot. Anyway, that's all I've got to say about that. But let's take a quick break. Hear from a sponsor and then come back with some more strange news. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market. 
as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back, and we are jumping to stories coming out of Business Insider, Sky News, and Newsweek, specifically Sky News Australia. Congratulations. That's cool that there's a whole Sky News Australia. Uh, All right, here we go. This is the title of the article from Business Insider that I read at the end of last week. Two Russian oligarchs were found dead one day apart alongside their wives and children, reports say. So first of all, we all know parts of the world, especially Russia and Ukraine, as well as a whole bunch of other countries are embroiled in some serious hot war right Mm -hmm. now. Uh, Ukraine obviously taking the brunt of the physical damage there uh, and mental and all the other types of damage. But a lot of other countries are getting involved and uh, there's the sanctions that have been imposed on Russia have been hitting specifically their natural gas and gas industries, most most of which are at least the largest corporations that function in there in that industry are state run. But there are a few that are outside that are independent. Um, and there are, exists something called an oligarch. And I wonder, Ben and Noel, could we just go over what an oligarch 
is before we jump into this story? Sure. Like uh, Elon Musk would be an example of an oligarch. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> sort of a modern. Uh, he's like a new <laughs> oligarch for sure. But then I remember from school, like an oligarch is definitely it's sort of like a monarch, but based on money alone. Right. Essentially, like based on power of, of the purse. Yeah, yeah. It's a, So whenever you hear the term oligarchy, all that means is government by the few, right? Uh, and people would say that maybe post-Soviet Russia turned into an effective oligarchy, although honestly during communism there was still very, it was still very oligarchical and hierarchical. But uh, if they... If you really want to put the put the sting on someone, then you'll call their government a plutocracy, which means uh, governed by the rich, or you call them a kleptocracy, which means governed by thieves. Uh, an oligarch now has a very specific term. I, I love that we're talking about the very wealthy and we're talking about language again. It has a very specific uh, kind of connotation today, which would be a titan of industry, like you're describing, Noel, who uses their business power to influence affairs that would normally be affairs of the state. So we'd love to hear from some of our fellow listeners on this. Would you consider very powerful uh, U.S. business types as oligarchs? At what point do they, do they cross that, that financial uh, political Rubicon, you know? But that's that's basically like what an oligarch is. But you're playing with language at that point. For example, another language game. If you want to know whether the U.S. considers a country uh, friendly or a candidate for a student-led revolution, we'll say, uh, then look how they're described. They'll describe the governments that they like as governments. They'll describe the governments they don't like as regimes. So these are the kind of language games. Almost yeah. always. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about oligarchs in Russia, but uh, well, one of them was in Russia. The other one was hanging out somewhere else. Okay, so this is what happened. On tax day here in the United States, which is April 18th, it's a Monday. These are, these are rough stories. So this is just a warning. If you're listening to this and you're faint of heart or you don't like stories about death, stop listening now. And uh, I guess this would be the end of the episode. So bye, write to us. Okay. A person named Vadislav Avayev, who was the former vice president of Gazprom Bank. This is the third largest bank in Russia, and it services, as you might have guessed, Gazprom. This is the major exporter of natural gas. Uh, This is is the state-run company, Gazprom. So lots and lots of money. This guy was the former vice president of the company. He was found dead that day, Monday, April 18th, of a gunshot wound. He was in his Moscow apartment. Also found in that apartment were his wife and his daughter. They were dead from apparent gunshot wounds. Uh, According to a few other sources, there were a total of 13 weapons found within that apartment. And it was on the 14th floor, just so you know, and they consider it a luxury apartment, obviously. Uh, A pistol was found in Mr. Avayev's hand and the apartment door was locked from the inside. This is all the initial reporting that's coming out on this event. Terribly tragic. You can see reporting, like I said, out of Sky News Australia, where they go into a little more detail about theories that have emerged, but none of those theories 
uh, I mean, you can't really talk about them with any sincerity because they're just comments that were made generally by neighbors. So, you know, they just don't hold a lot of weight. One was that um, Mrs. Avayev was pregnant. Her name was Yelena. She was 47 years old and allegedly she was pregnant. And the rumor is that it was by his driver. Uh, the child was fathered by his driver. And that is why this occurred. It was a murder suicide. Um, but there are other reports that say she was not pregnant at all. Uh, again, it's just, it's a matter of this happening pretty recently, not a lot of information coming out and also a lot of private things that probably may never come out depending on how this case moves forward. And again, yeah, the, this whole sky news thing about some believed it was economic pressures because of the, the war that's occurring in Ukraine right now, because of the economic sanctions, these pressures caused this murder suicide to occur. Others believe that the family was killed by an entirely mm -hmm. third party. And it was the entire family that was slaughtered. Uh, and made to look a certain way. Yeah. I do want to shout out Newsweek, which made a list, a full list of, quote, every Russian oligarch who has died since Putin invaded Ukraine. That came out on 422. Uh, sadly, you know, not to be too gallows humor about it, but this is quite possibly looking like a pattern. I, I know you had mentioned, I can't remember if we talked about this off air, Matt, but... Um, I know I'd seen a lot of scuttlebutt that argued at least one of these guys was murdered such that it looked like a suicide or officially was considered a suicide, but that they were their lives were taken because they refused to play ball with some bids on Gazprom. Did you hear about that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, this, this is what leads me to the second story. Ooh. That was just the first person that died. Terrible, tragic story of one person uh, and their family. The second story occurs on Tuesday, April 19th, the next day. person named Sergei Protosenya, who was 55 years old, he is the former vice president and chief accountant of another company, this one titled Novatech, N-O-V-A-T-E-K, this is the second largest company in Russia involved in, guess what, producing natural gas and oil. Again, different because it's independent, not state-run, like Gazprom is. This person was found dead. They were hanged in the garden of this villa that they rented. Uh, it's about 75 kilometers north of Barcelona in Spain. Uh, I don't even know how to say it. Lorette de Mar, I think. Uh, Lorette de Mar. Also, very similarly to the previous story, this person's wife and daughter were found dead at the villa. They were both in their beds. They were dead of apparent stab wounds. Next to this person, a Sergei who was hanged, they found a bloody axe and a bloody knife. But guess what? No suicide note, and there were no bloodstains anywhere Ooh. on Sergei's body. Which, to me says this was staged. Ooh, you mean like execution style? Or are you are like, I'm sorry, you mean the killing was done a certain way and the crime scene was staged to make it appear yes. as though it happened in a different manner? Well, I, I think it, it is just highly unlikely that you could somehow stab to death your wife and daughter in their beds and not get any blood on you. Um, That's accurate. I follow. And according to the news outlet Telecinco, they're one of the first... Uh, it's one of the first outlets that reported on it there in Spain. They're saying that there are two scenarios, murder, suicide, 
like they're looking at in the, the first example we talked about, uh, as well as some kind of, you know, third party murder. Like every person there was murdered and it was staged to yeah, look that way. There's another, there's another weird part of this too, which is the, you're right. This is the story I was thinking about. If someone did a mur- uh, did commit um, murder suicide, then just as you said, they would have blood on them unless they were wearing uh, outer clothing and then had taken that off and somehow very effectively disposed of it and then did some spring cleaning. And this maybe showered could look for traces in the uh, in the shower. You know what I mean? Like you could it's mm-hmm. hard, not super easy to clean up that kind of stuff, like with a stabbing, you know, um, well, the the. The most messed up thing is why would you stage why would you stage the scene to look like that if you knew you were going to kill yourself and you had just murdered your own wife and your own child, your own daughter? Like why would you take the time? I feel like some I don't know. Again, it's just psychologically, I feel like someone who would mm-hmm. go to the length, the extreme to murder their own family would not then think, "Oh, well I should shower and everything and, you know, clean everything up." <sighs> And then, you know, go hang myself next to the weapons that I, mean, I killed maybe my family with. If they were in a very unstable mental state and it was like a control thing or something, and they, it's possible, but it seems kind of unlikely. And we know that there's already tension between the, the kind of military rulers of Russia, including Putin at the top, and uh, some. Russian business folks and, and successful oligarchs. You know, people have fled. One guy was literally just on, on his yacht going back and forth with no known destination. Uh, I think last month, one Russian businessman offered a $1 million bounty on Vladimir Putin himself, like dead or alive, old school Wild West style. Mm-hmm. And now, I'm, now I, I can't help but wonder, you know, what, it feels like it still doesn't add up. And to be a fly on the wall in those... In those internal meetings, you know, it, I, I don't know how long that situation is going to last internally with all the, with that increasing lack of belief in Putin's leadership. And then also that plummeting trust he appears to have in his formerly close circle. I, I, I don't know what to make of it, but it doesn't smell right, man. It surely doesn't. Just like the doctors falling out of the windows during the pandemic. Yeah. Putin made some statement about needing to cleanse uh, the interior of Russia, right? And that's when a, a bunch of these oligarchs and people were taken off. And it was a, it was a pretty messed up statement. Uh, sounded mm-hmm. like deaths would be occurring. It's just weird to me that these are all former SVPs or heads, you know, of these companies. I guess it's just because they're in control of so much wealth and therefore perhaps power within Russia, even though s- several of them are, as you said, living abroad. I don't know. It just it two days apart to have if these actually are family issues, right? That then caused the deaths of the entire family or inner interpersonal relationship issues. It would be such a strange coincidence that it's very difficult for me to believe. You know, it, we also have to consider the idea of setting an example, quote unquote, or you know, using these deaths as a warning you know like it doesn't matter where you go you can get touched 
right? And it's not just you. Yeah, it's not just you. It's your family. Yeah, it's not just you. Uh, you might actually, we might make you watch what happens to your family first, and then we'll blame it on you posthumously. Again, we don't have proof of this, but they're, like you were saying, Matt, the indications don't look super great. The similarities in deaths, the statements of Putin earlier, uh, the fact that one one guy, um, Alexander Tuyalikov, uh, he was found, somebody beat the snot out of him before he died. Uh, and then there are the questions yeah. about murder weapons in weird places. All these folks have links with the Kremlin. It may be... Maybe we clean out one's closet kind of thing, or maybe it's an attempt to concentrate the wealth and the control of state resources. It's tough to say, but it's it now is officially a very dangerous job to be a Russian oligarch, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, it's two tr- tremendously tragic events. Mm-hmm. Both of those families, both incidents, there was another child that either made a phone call to do a wellness check or stumbled upon the scene, mm. uh, which again, if it, if you're going to the extent to kill one of your children, I don't know, just imagining that another one of your children would discover it. Mm-hmm. Just uh, something about it just doesn't check out to me. The other names on that list from the Newsweek article that Ben mentioned about oligarchs who've died, just going to give you those really quickly in case you want to look them up. It's Leonid, L-E-O-N-I-D, Shulman, S-H-U-L-M-A-N. You mentioned Alexander Tulyakov. There's also Mikhail Watford, which is a different name. He changed his name, I believe. Uh, Tolstoshaya was the original name. Uh, Let's see. And then Vasily Melnikov. So if you want to look all of those up. Really, really crazy stuff. It, it It feels like almost cartel activity that I've read about in the past or, or just organized crime. Some of the old organized crime activities that I think we've all read about. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it doesn't feel like government activity to me, Ben, but I, I don't know. Maybe it is. Who knows? Someone knows. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're like, I would estimate there are at least 50 to 80 people who know for sure. Problem is they're not going to be talking to Newsweek about it. Right. Uh, this this may seem like a bit of a dark ending for this week's strange news segment. But, folks, we think this is important. Uh, there is a known pattern and precedent set by Russian forces, Russian intelligence forces, uh, with enacting operations like this to send a message. And yes, their other intelligence agencies have done stuff like this in the past to be clear. Uh, but we're, I think we're both you and I are trying to grapple with what this, what this means, right? What the end game of this mm-hmm. is uh, killing the heirs is an especially brutal way to, I mean, they're cauterizing a family line at that point. Um, but also I've got to say, Matt, I've got to say, I, I don't know how we get out of this one to a little bit of levity, but I do know my favorite thesaurus joke. All right. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if now's the time. I don't know. All right. Matt, did I did I tell you I bought that abridged thesaurus? I hadn't heard. Yeah, no, it's it's not just terrible. It's terrible. But a boom boom.
I know. Oh God, wow. Matt looks wow. like a disappointed, <laughs> a disappointed saint. You're like the patron saint of terrible jokes. Uh, we didn't write that joke. That joke. Be careful with it. It's an antique. But uh, hope you hope you groaned as as audibly as Matt did there. <laughs> so I, I just didn't know where to take us, <laughs> man, because these these murders yeah. are not gonna. There's not really a way to bring justice to these people and. Murder suicides do happen. They're an immense tragedy. And um, yeah, it's it's a dark time, man. Yeah, it really is a dark time. Uh, Uh, We didn't even bring up. There were reports, Ben, that I wanted to talk about today that I decided not to. But I'll let you check this out if you want to out there. Uh, There's some reports coming out about the viability of farmland across the world, specifically in the United States and other places that generally have had fertile farmland Mm -hmm. and how there's only about 60 years of it left, Mm -hmm. 60 years of it left. And it takes about a thousand years to get a new inch of usable topsoil. And what does that mean? How does that math work out for us? Yeah. What was that? Oh, I said it. uh, I said it off air. We're chatting because we're, bookworms uh i was thinking of where to live next or where to maybe even try to buy a house and i ended up rabbit holing into that really cool incredibly bleak the world in a 50 to 100 years interactive map link remember that yeah uh it's oh yeah yeah it's legit there was also a huge uh organized protest of scientists about how the world's going into the crapper and it got barely any news coverage, which dude makes you wonder. Dude, I looked at uh, a piece of news because I thought it would be a lighthearted thing. Mm-hmm. It was about this Georgia. What was she? Oh, she was. She's an official for Georgia sports, like kids playing organized sports, mm-hmm. and she was attacked and assaulted by a parent. And I remember seeing some local news story about it, but she has now become the face of an entire thing. I didn't realize this officials for like kids organizations, you know, little league baseball and that kind of thing. They are leaving in droves in the same way teachers are leaving in droves because of the violence, the implied violence and actual violence that's being taken out. On them in the same way that this person that we just did a story on commenting on the dictionary where people say horrible things. And in some cases, they actually act them out Mm -hmm. Uh, right now. It's generally just punching in like some kind of brawl situation. But you can only imagine how bad it could get. Yeah, I'm just feeling nervous and freaked out about the world. No, that's the way to be. That's okay. That's the way to be. That's okay. Levity. Oh, uh, levity. Before we get to levity. Okay. And Alexis is telling us to wrap here. I just do check out. Yeah. It's like, it's way. Do check out the scientist rebellion folks and ask yourself, it will tell us actually, if you saw anything about this in your local news, Uh, essentially over a hundred thousand scientists just a few days ago across 25 countries took part in these demonstrations they called the scientist rebellion also a climate activist when bruce set himself on fire self-immolated in front of the supreme court uh, i think that one got some got some kind of press but we want to know if this stuff is uh reported in your neck of the woods we want to hear what you think about the power of both words and oligarchs we want to know if you think it is a good thing or a bad thing or an irrelevant thing for Musk to have bought Twitter and 
As always, we can't wait to hear more strange news from you. Uh, we try to be easy to find online until Musk, you know, I don't know, takes us down or buys the rest of the Internet. Yes. On Elon's uh, brand new social media, we are at Conspiracy Stuff. On Instagram, we are Conspiracy Stuff Show. You can find us on Facebook, both at Conspiracy Stuff and on our page. Here's where it gets crazy to get in. All you need to know is who hosts this show, Ben, Matt and Noel. And if. You don't like that kind of stuff. Why not give us a phone call? Yes. Use your phone for, as my pal Matt says, the purpose it was intended to be used for. Uh, thanks, Matt. <laughs> Never going to forget that burn. Uh, the number is one eight three three stdwytk You'll call. You'll hear a hopefully familiar voice letting you know you're in the right place. Three minutes. Those three minutes are yours. Go nuts with them. Give yourself a sick nickname. We love a good moniker. Tell us what's on your mind. Second most important thing, let us know if we can use your name and or message on the air. First most important thing. A primary thing to remember, mission critical here, folks. If you have a story that needs more than three minutes, don't even bother with the phone line. Write it out to us. Give us the pictures. Give us the uh, ancillary links. Take us to the edge of the rabbit hole, and we'll see how deep it goes. All you have to do is send us a good old-fashioned email where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.